All right, ladies and gentlemen, this one is going to be fun. So unless you've been living under a rock and you won't know who our guest is, it's the one and only Rachel Dory. Rachel, how's it going tonight? It's going well, boys. How are you guys doing? Fired up. You know, there's a Leaf game going on in the background, but we'll uh, we'll get to that later on tonight, I'm sure. Doing well, doing well <laughs> Rachel. Glad to have you here. Yeah, I'm fired up. I mean, yeah, like you said, there's a Leaf game going on. So I'm sure at least one of us is going to be getting routine updates about what's going on. Uh, I think two of us have a screen beside us with the game going right now. So <laughs> there'll be updates. I got to ask, James, who's on the back of that jersey? This one? Yeah. This is the St. John Maple Leafs one. It's the throwback okay. for the Growlers, but it's Alexander. Okay, because I was like, if that's a 20 jersey, that might be a Mike Johnson, in which case I might need to be purchasing that. But <laughs> <laughs> No, he has not made my collection yet. Honestly, though, like if anybody actually finds a legit Mike Johnson jersey at me on Twitter, I will pay more than you would think for it. <laughs> there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Find your Mike Johnson jersey. Yeah, no, this one here was in the summertime. Picked it up at a yard sale for ten bucks. Unreal. That's I actually it's love that jersey. Beautiful. It's crisp. And it the uh, the one that uh, Pete's got, the Morgan Riley one, the the Bieber. I think it's the Bieber one, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, the Bieber one is so sick. And I haven't been able to say that because, like, job. Um, but True enough, true enough. It's it's sick, and I would absolutely own one. I maybe the, should if they're The only sale. problem with owning it is, like, I don't want to wear it because I'm afraid I'm going to get, like, if I go to the game and get beer on me or someone spills ketchup or I'm just, like, I'm, I don't want to ruin it, you know? It's just, it's such a nice jersey. That's kind of the perfect one to do it, though, because it's a darker color. So if something does spill mm -hmm. on it, it's not yeah, going to show up as much. No, I just, it's so new and fresh. I just don't want to catch it. Man, like, I, I feel that because, like, when I was a kid, I had a Sundean jersey and, like, it was autographed by a bunch of like really well-known Leafs, like three retired number guys. And oh. I let my brother wear it to a game and he got chocolate milk on the only no. white part of the jersey. And so I had to scrub it out, which means I also had to scrub the Sunday oh. autograph out. But yeah. I actually, a couple years later, I worked for MLSE and I actually went up to one of the people that worked for the Leafs and I was like, hey, like, this is the situation. Do you think we could rectify this? And then, like, a month later, he was like, hey, like, secretly, like, Matt's is going to be in town. Like, bring your jersey in. I'll make sure it gets done. And Matt's actually re-signed the jersey. I love that. Oh, That's an awesome story. Matt. But you yeah, still Matt's have to hold that grudge against your brother yeah. for a little bit, though. Oh, do you think my brother has worn any of my jersey since? Probably not. not I'd like to hope not anyways. No, 0% chance. Nobody actually has. I don't let people wear like any of my stuff. And I it sucks because like from a Toronto FC perspective, like if you follow soccer at all. Um this guy right here. Exactly. So like I dated uh, I well, I'm dating oh, actually. Okay. I'm dating uh somebody that's like decently high up at the club and so like just like the stuff that comes in and i can never wear any of it because he always gets it signed so i'm like could you maybe get me something that like i could just wear yeah, <laughs> just have for my own little private collection yeah like i just want to wear it to a match i don't want to hang it in my room or anything like that like at some point you got to have stuff that you can wear right that's Absolutely. true that's true yeah no i agree with you fully my shadow box in front of me here much like your story Signed by Sittler, Vive, Gilmore, Clark, all the different names. Lou Lamorello signed it. Brendan Shanahan. So whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out, here. time out. 
You got a Lou Lamorello autograph? I did, and I've shown the picture every time. I'll send you a shot of it. But yeah, he signed it, and the picture is, he's actually very short, to be honest. He is, and he's I had my to, height. <laughs> I had to crouch down for him to sign the back of my jersey, but we went out a door that we shouldn't have went out when they were in town, and he ended up being there. He took 30 minutes to talk to us about everything under the sun, signed my jersey, no problem, but it's a, it's a great signature, too. You can definitely Lou Lamorello gets like this rap that is like it's first it's well earned but like i happen to like be doing stuff for the leafs when he was the gm and i remember the first time i met him and it was the scariest thing of my life like in terms of meeting someone i mean i was just like standing there i'm in my tracksuit because i'm getting ready to go on the ice at development camp and i just get like a tap on the shoulder like from behind it was like one of these like <laughs> i was like oh uh what so I like just kind of turn around like this and he's in a full suit in the middle of July. And it's just, good morning. I am Lou Lamorello. And in my head, like, I know, like, I know who you are. Yeah. Well versed oh, in who you are. So intimidating. <laughs> oh my God. It was the scariest thing. And then um, I've told this story on my podcast, but uh, this was when the Leafs drafted Nikolai Chibikin, um, the Russian guy. Yeah. And he came with the Yarmir Yager, like black tux. And we had a bet, like, how long is this going to last? Because, like, Lou, right? You can't have facial yeah. hair or, like, a, a haircut. Like, you're not right. having this, yeah. right? So we're like, how long is this going to last? Five minutes into the first thing, he's standing in that window at the Ford uh, Performance Center. And all of a sudden, he just, like, points down and does this. Next practice, Guess whose tucks were no longer black? Insane! Wow. I love it. Oh That's man, do you, do you have any other loose stories? Like this guy is—he's—he's he's a legend. I love hearing this stuff. Honestly, I think he gets his rap for being like this huge, like—I don't know—I don't know if you can swear, but like hard ass. No, um, no hard ass ain't bad. <laughs> uh, so like he gets this rap, but honestly, like my interactions with him, he is really kind. Like, obviously, I worked in New Jersey, and he is a legend there, and yeah, rightfully so. And honestly, like, people didn't like the rules, but what every single person who worked for the organization said while he was president and, like, while I was there was that, like, you knew that if something really was, like, going sideways or, like, something happened, like, Lou was the first person to have your back. And, like, one of the guys who's just, like, an IT guy, he was, like, a coordinator, I guess, at the time. And, like, his father suddenly passed away. And Lou Lamorello found out somehow and showed up at the funeral. Oh, that's wow. that's awesome. That's amazing. And it's that's just like, character. man, it's when you have somebody like that at the top of your organization, like, yes, he's got all these, like, weird kind of nuts rules. But when you have somebody that does that or is, like, sending flowers or, I mean, like, he did, he did something for me that, like, I'm not going to publicize, but, like, it's cemented for me that like he is a genuinely good human being. Um, and, and so you're, you're just motivated. Like at that point you're leading by example, you talk about like character at the top of an organization, you might disagree with like the facial hair or the, the long hair thing, but he's showing up to some random it guy's dad's funeral because he believes that the organization needs to support its employees. Like that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, and I think a little bit of that, just to dovetail it to the Leafs a little bit, rubbed off on Kyle Dubas. You look how he took care of Ilya Mikheyev staying behind in New Jersey when he slit his wrist. All those little things go into it, and those are just Lewisms, right? You learn those as they're passed down. But 
Yeah, I agree with you. He gave us 30 minutes of time. Didn't have to. We weren't supposed yeah. to be there. Just talked about every single thing that we wanted to ask him about. And I'll give you the, the flip side of that. Shani did side my jersey, but before he did, he yelled at me. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. And like, honestly, like Shani's pretty nice guy when you work for him too. But I think like with Lou, Shani doesn't really have a bad rap, right? Because he doesn't no. talk ever, which like might serve some people to maybe take that advice. But like with Lou, he also like he talks, but doesn't really say a whole lot. But behind Works the out. scenes, if you've ever worked for him, there's a reason a lot of his employees are super loyal. And like there are more than a few that jumped from New Jersey to the Islanders when he ended up ultimately at the Islanders because of what it's like to work for Lou. Like it's you can agree or disagree with how he like runs a hockey club or the salary cap or like whatever. But I have a pretty hard time finding anybody like, you know, how like people are like, oh, I wonder like if somebody writes a book about Lou, there's going to be like skeletons or yeah. with all of this like hockey culture stuff that's being rightfully like exposed. I am legitimately not even remotely worried about anything about Lou being exposed because like, I just don't there's think anything's there. nothing out there on him. Yeah. I just don't think anything's there. No, he's well, he's again, he has the rules. He's pretty black and white in what he does. Everybody mm. understands what he is and what he stands for. So there's really no roundabout way. If he wants something done, like you said, from the poor performance center, he just motions and gets it done. It's over with. You listen to what he says, get it over with and go. But yeah, I don't think there's any skeletons in that man's closet. No, I don't I don't think so either. And I think that you're right, it did rub off on on Kyle. And I think it's it's very underrated. Um, like just people say like oh this person's a bad gm or this person's a good gm or xyz like i think it's super underrated to just uh, be a good person <laughs> like it's so weird that that bare minimum statement just be a good person has to be such a high bar lately that's that's the crazy thing yeah it's like we sure like this guy would you rather have a gm that like maybe isn't the best at certain things but you know is not going to allow anything nefarious to go on in their organization or would you rather like some lizard be your your gm or your head of your organization and like sure like you might have some playoff success but like he then all of these skeletons come out and then it becomes a bigger problem then it hinders the team and then things fall apart and then players don't want to go there yeah, like it's... it seems like a very, uh, very easy toxic trail to leave. Just <laughs> kind of yeah, so a circle, a perfect circle of crap. Yeah. Well, let's uh, talk about the perfect circle of crap that Bruce Boudreaux had to go through. Um, someone who's kind of near and dear to you. We saw your TikTok. Obviously, we know the connection as well. But um, it was sad. It was just flat out sad to watch a guy with that much passion and the energy he brings. He's bouncing. He's always smiling. He's always cordial, has stories. He's one of those guys. He's like everybody's grandpa, so to speak. And that's you know, exactly wanna, how I would describe him. <laughs> you just want to be around him. And then when you see him upset, you, you want to run through a brick wall for him because it's like, that's not fair. But to watch how he was drug along and how he was just left in the wind and then to have Rutherford, who could have silenced a lot of it and just kept his yap shut, like he said at his presser, which if you realize that now, you should have realized that for a year. Like, why would you do that to the poor guy? I want to know, you know, just spill a little bit of your thoughts on this, a little bit of how you feel about Boudreaux. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was terrible. Um, and regardless of what my relationship with Bruce is, I, I don't condone that kind of treatment or behavior. 
uh, to anybody, whether I dislike them or not. Everybody deserves a baseline level of respect and uh, dignity. And I, especially when it's Bruce, who's someone who's universally just like beloved in the game. Yeah. Um, like to me, obviously, <laughs> given my battle against the Canucks right now, I don't think very highly of some people in that organization. And yet, if they were treated this way, I would still have a problem with it because you just, you don't do that. But then it's Bruce. And I don't know if you saw my letter kind of in the hockey news, Um, but I kind of detailed like Bruce, Bruce taught me a lot of lessons and probably the biggest one that he taught me was even when it sucks and when it's inconvenient and it goes against the grain, you have to stand up for what's right. You just have to. And I got to be honest with you, like had I survived that situation at the beginning of the season and had been with the organization, I probably would have resigned over this because I don't work for people who treat other people like this. That is just not how I was brought up. That's not ethically how I believe um an organization should be run and and for me i'm a big believer in that and i understand like yeah business is business but man i've worked for a major canadian Mm. bank like i've worked for other professional teams and this is not how things work i mean we just talked about lou lamorello there's no way that that would have happened and so for me i just it's it's unacceptable and then to come out and say like i decided this morning to make a coaching change do you mean to tell me that rick talkett was in Vancouver, in a city or country he doesn't live in, with a contract and a work visa, and happened to be at your press conference, and happened to speak to the Sedins a few days before. Like, what yeah. are you talking about? It's well, just- even still, look at the, the broadcast for TNT. They were oh all joking God. about it and having fun with it, right? So it was, that was already trash. known. Oh, I know. That was so bad. And yeah, so to me, I, Bruce is... Bruce is one of those people, like, you know how they talk about, oh, like, a guy is gruff in the media? Like, John Tortorella is actually a great example. John Tortorella is really short and gruff in the media. Like, he puts on this persona of, like, just, like, angry all the time. Yep. But, like, I know people who have worked with torts and, like, for torts, and they all say he's, like, a super caring guy. Like, another guy that, like, has shown up to people's dad's funerals. Like, that's just that kind of thing. And, obviously, I disagree with how he handled the Ivan Provorov situation. But it it goes to show that you could be different with the media than you are behind the scenes. Whereas like with Bruce, not only is what you see is what you get, but if you can imagine like he's nicer behind the scenes, like he's even better behind the scenes. That's amazing. And like when I was going through what I was going through and like it was, I was left twisting in the wind just like he was obviously it wasn't as public. Yeah. Um, which is just awful to begin with, but to be left twisting in the wind, like he had my back and he knew that they didn't like him already. So like, it was dangerous for him to have my back and he didn't care. He was like, no, this is not, this is not the way you do things. And this is not what I believe in. And so, um, am I surprised that he was treated the way he was? Unfortunately, no, because I was treated the exact same way. Um, and, and so to me, like, I know Bruce will land on his feet. Um, he owns a, a hockey team in Hershey. Um, I really think that the Leafs need to consider bringing him on in some type of role, whether it's like a consultant or, I mean, hell, like 
he, he has openly said he would take an assistant coaching job in Toronto. I think next year, if he, if Sheldon Keefe remains the head coach of the Leafs, I think serious consideration needs to be given to Bruce. Um, there aren't many teams that score more goals than Bruce Boudreaux teams. And what is Toronto's main issue in the playoffs? Putting the puck in the net. Yeah. It's not no. defense guys. <laughs> no. No. And we're going we're gonna to get to that because that's a, a thing that is now percolating as well. And interesting com- our comments coming out of uh, Barry Trotz as well about the Leafs D. So we'll talk about that in a moment. But um, for you, obviously, that situation, not ideal. And the hockey world for you right now, like you said to me, you're just getting back into things. Yeah. For you, where is the ideal spot for you? Do you want to work again for an NHL team eventually? Or are you more happy doing – the media side of things or where, where is TikTok. Rachel Lori on that TikToks side? TikToks are great, by the way. Everyone, if you're not following Rachel on TikTok, give her yeah. a follow. So she's fantastic <laughs> at that. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Like, um, it's really hard, honestly, guys. Like, it's toxic. And I would say that for me, instead of – it's not more – it's not about working for a team anymore. It's working for somebody that I want to work for in an environment that isn't going to cause me – to have cardiac events or that make me suicidal. Like I just don't want to deal with that. Um, and I don't think anybody should, like, I'm not even talking about hockey. Like if you're at a job that makes you feel that way, you need to find a different job. Absolutely. Like, please. It's it. There's no job that's worth that. And so um, I'm going to be very judicious and careful um, right now hockey is not really a spot that I want to be. And if I want to be in it, it's going to be on my own terms. So like I have my TikTok, I have my podcast, I can write what I want, but it's, it's on my terms. I don't have anybody telling me you need to do this or you need to do that or whatever the case may be. Like the owner of the hockey news is basically like, whatever you want to do, like just do it. Um, And so it's kind of, yeah, like Graham's awesome. And it's one of those things where right now, like, I'm still really um, reeling from what I've been through. I am still, it has been almost five months and I'm still not medically cleared for like full normalcy. That is the rigors that I have gone through. And so that like, that can really change how you view things. Um, And so I would say this, there are a handful of people that I am willing to work for right now. Mm. And unless one of those people has an opportunity i'm probably going to just continue to do things on my terms right now um because i am more than happy uh to work at the bank where it's i get treated really well and it's a nine to five and um they focus on professional development and it probably won't shock you to hear that there aren't just flagrant hr violations um here there and everywhere like there are in hockey um and that's not even specific to me like that people in hockey talk and like there's other stuff that just hasn't come out and maybe it will and maybe it won't but like right now hockey's in a tough spot and so for me if i'm not working for somebody where i know that it's going to be a positive environment it's hard for me to justify potentially sacrificing my mental and cardiac health yep. just to say that I work in hockey when the reality is I can make so much more money not working in hockey and work far less hours and not have people accosting me on the street. That's like, crazy. you don't understand that it's far less stressful to just not work in hockey. 
<laughs> Damn, you're shattering a lot of dreams right now, Rachel. But uh, this is this is great. But to it's hear. true though. Like what yeah, she's saying no, is I'm true, right? right? You got you got to take mm -hmm. your mental and physical well-being over anything else before you step into. The, and that was one of the things I was going to ask. You know, a lot of people think it's this glorious thing. You know, having the keys to be able to work for an NHL team yeah. and be in within the organization. But there's a lot of things that we don't know and you don't get to see unless someone peels back the curtain. And like you said, there may be a lot of stories that open a floodgate where things start to come out. And maybe it's time for hockey to have a hard reset and get figured out. And, you know, like Brendan Shanahan said about the Leafs, maybe the NHL needs to scorched earth. But that's that's something you just it won't happen given who owns teams and who's involved with the league. It won't get there. No, I I I have a hard time believing that it will. I think it's going to be an organization by organization type of thing. Um, do I think the NHL is making some positive strides? Yes, absolutely. Um, but at the end of the day, like look at where baseball is, look at where the NBA is, look at where even the NFL is. Oh my God. Like I'm not talking from a player criminal perspective because that's obviously <laughs> yes. not fantastic, but like no. diversity in front offices, like the NFL has a straight up hiring policy. Yep. Do you, they like do. the the NHL, this is how it works. You have friends, they know people high up in front offices, and then they they call you. That is how that works. I'm not even kidding. Or it's your somebody's son. That yeah. is that's how that works. It's 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 the same picking pool all the time. Exactly. And like I don't know, I think I think a lot of people think that just because you work in sports, like the comments on my TikTok being like, oh, he gets paid like $2 million. Like you could suck it up. Um, There is it. no excuse for, for that kind of behavior, like at all. Um, yeah. And I think we can all agree that like most billionaires are the worst people on earth. Like yep. with the exception of like Mark Cuban and maybe Warren Buffett. But like, do, do any of us sitting here think Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos is a good person? No. Nope. No, exactly, right? So it's like, come on. Like, you just, you have to understand that, like, a lot of these people aren't great people. And in hockey, like, yeah, you get to work in hockey or you get to work in professional sport. Do do either of you get called, at, unless you're a firefighter, police officer, like that kind of thing, do any of you get called at 2 o'clock in the morning asking you to do a random task for work? I used no. to because I worked for uh, a medical gas company. So okay, yeah, but right that's hospital. But, <laughs> yeah, but that uh, that was few and far between, anyways. But what I... happened? Yeah, that is nuts, Rachel. So that you would get texts, emails at two a.m. Complete that's this cool. task. It's insane. Yeah. I I have my phone on. Do do not disturb. Like I'm a baby. I need my sleep. But <laughs> that's that's insane to hear. Yeah, James, you know I love my sleep. But, oh, I'm a total princess with my sleep. Like, well, and mine is kind of health related too. Like, my heart starts acting all weird if I don't get like mm. a certain like amount of like REM. But yeah, like I got. I'm envious of both of you, by the way. <laughs> Three <laughs> my... to four hours is what I get max. If I'm up at two a.m. and I'm doing a task, there's not a shot I'm going to bed after. Like I have work like work is on my mind you can't fall asleep after that your sleep oh, cycle yeah. is ruined after that and then your day is ruined after that to be clear bruce never called me at two o'clock in the morning oh yeah of course not. okay <laughs> bruce did not it. call me at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> um but yeah like i've had it where like somebody has sent me something at all hours of the night being like we need this for like 6 a.m because 6 a.m on, on at one point is 9 a.m on the east coast 
And I'm yeah, like, that's true. Do, okay. Like in one specific instance. And I was like, listen, on trade deadline, if you want me at that hour, like, fine, I understand that. Yep. But on a random day in July, like maybe not. Yeah. Let's just uh, close the phone for a little bit, put it aside. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you it's one of those things where like Pete, you said you have your phone on do not disturb. I now have my phone on do not disturb from 11 o'clock at night to nine o'clock in the morning. But in when you work in the NHL, like you're not allowed to do that. And my boyfriend mm-hmm. works in professional soccer and he's not allowed to do that either. And it's, it's, it's crazy. There's just no, like you make less to give, to give you an idea. Like, let's say I make, for example, a hundred thousand dollars at a non sports job. Right. And I yep. work, 40 hours a week let's say maybe even 45 call it sure to do that same job in the national hockey league i'd make seventy thousand, and i'd be on call 24 7 365 including christmas that doesn't sound fun to me i like does that sound like does not sound good not at all not even a little bit Oh. Yeah, does that sound like the toy box to you? Because uh, mm. no, because you think of working for an NHL organization. I'm like, this is my dream. This is gonna be, it's gonna be amazing. And then just hearing all this now is completely turning my perspective. And it's it's very interesting to hear, Rachel. So. We wonder why the pictures of GMs and coaches, why they look so aged. You know, come two three years into it. Yeah, there's a reason. Like there's, there's a reason Sheldon Keefe has a full head of gray hair, and the picture of Sheldon <laughs> Keefe and I on my Instagram, he is fully brown haired. Yeah, wow. like yeah, there's a reason. That was five years ago, and he's got a full head of gray hair right now. Still like, blocks now. Even me, like I when I worked in New Jersey and when I worked in Vancouver, like both times I came back and immediately went to the doctor and got scolded by the doctor because I had lost too much weight, and like. The people who know me kind of know, like, I don't have a ton of weight to lose, right? And so it's one of those things where, like, the doctor was like, you can't lose 10% of your body weight. Like, don't do that. Yeah, that's a that's a no-no. Exactly. And so it's one of those things where it's like, you're working in an environment that's so stressful. And I wasn't even the only one. Like, I don't know of a ton of, put it this way, like, younger people that haven't been in the game that don't have like drinking problems or like some level of issue because it's just that's how it is and then you look at like mental health and it's like just looked so far down upon so what do people do they they drink they burn and themselves so, further, yeah yeah you're you're just consistently in this this cycle and it's it's not healthy so i think hockey as a whole but i like to work in it yes absolutely but it needs to get a whole lot healthier and i think um, the Carolina Hurricanes, from what I can glean, have done a really good job of fostering a really good work environment. I think Eric Tolsky probably has a fair bit to do with that. I've also heard really good things about Don Waddell. And Rob um, Brindamore as well, sticking up for his staff. Yeah, yeah, Rob Brindamore. I have a lot of time for Rob Brindamore. And so yeah. that seems like an organization where like things are relatively normal. Um, but yeah, like even in, I would say like even in Vancouver, my Aiden Fox was who I had originally like worked with yep. and like he he gets it like that guy gets it and I like I would work with him for him again 100% um he just he he understands like how it works as a, on a human level and I think that that kind of gets lost a lot those things need to be amplified though and that's the problem those voices and those people aren't amplified 
Mm-hmm. And like no, you said, game picking pool, and it just goes around and around and around. And then when one guy kind of ages out, it's another guy who's been handpicked by one of those guys to jump in his spot and join the circle. Yeah. Basically what it is. And anybody can disagree with that, but I would call you a liar. There are some really good people in hockey, and not many of them are at the top of the food chain. No, or they get looked down upon because the way they handle things or do things is not the way that it's quote-unquote supposed to be done. Heaven forbid you're kind and compassionate. That's absolutely not allowed. Don't put those words out there. Come on now. People will push you right down. What I will say, though, is like I I know a few people that have worked for Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe, and a lot of people say that both of them are like they fall in the category of kind and compassionate. I love hearing that. Uh, Rachel, to I guess (laughs) move it over to the Leafs, we're a Leafs podcast. What is your initial reaction of this team this year? Do you think you think it's different? We all tell ourselves that every year, but is it different? Uh, I'm with Barry Trotz. Um, first of all, who, who are any of us to be arguing with Barry Trotz? That's exactly what I said with my videos. I was like, "Uh, this guy knows what he's talking about. Not going to be me. Um, but I, I, I kind of tend to agree with him. Like, listen, I personally, and I said this long before any of the Atlantic division stuff was happening. The playoff format is trash. Oh my We're going to have two of the top five teams out of the playoffs at the end of the second round. Like you don't, as as a league, you should not want that. As a league, you should want your best teams getting through. And you like NBA doesn't do it. I don't like this is stupid. Um, it doesn't mean rivalries, Rachel. Rivalries. Yeah, well, I got some news. Um, the Toronto Boston <laughs> rivalry is going to be a rivalry regardless of whether they play in the playoffs it's or very not. True. Yeah, the- look at Winnipeg and Toronto as well. There's a rivalry brewed it, there because it naturally Van- happened. Everybody in Vancouver hates Toronto. Like, my boyfriend literally works for Toronto FC. And I was told when I moved to Vancouver that I wasn't allowed to cheer for Toronto FC because it was a Toronto team. And I was like, okay, wow. well, F you. Like, I'm going to support my significant other. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, That's how deep the hatred is. So spare me this nonsense because yeah. the other thing is manufactured rivalries. Like, the Devils and the Islanders and the Rangers are going to hate each other regardless of whether they play in the playoffs or not. Yeah, they're geographically Pittsburgh hated. and Philadelphia are going to hate each other no matter what. Yep. Carolina is Carolina. Nobody has a rivalry with them because they're just Carolina. Carolina. <laughs> exactly. So, like, to me, this manufactured nonsense, no. I want to see the best quality hockey and the best quality players. So, for me, with the Leafs, um, I think they're going to be hard-pressed to get out of the first round. Uh, because Andre Vasilevsky is Andre Vasilevsky. Um, Exactly. But having said that, I am one of those people that believes just because they don't get out of the first round doesn't mean you need to blow it up. I actually think that that's totally counterintuitive um, and really, really stupid. Like, imagine if... Colorado blew it up and just decided, you know what? Actually, we're going to trade Nathan McKinnon. Like, that would be bad. That would be bad. Or think about all of the times that Ovechkin got knocked out. Imagine if the Caps were like, you know what? We actually don't need Nick Backstrom or John Carlson. Think about that. Would they have won the cup without either of those guys? Not a chance. Not a chance. So to me, I look at it and are some of those contracts not fantastic? Yes. But at the same time, and I will say this until I am blue in the face, 
William Nylander is not a tradable asset. Do thank you, thank you, Rachel. Unless you are getting Kale McCarr, which you're not. No. Or Charlie McAvoy, which again, you're not. You can't trade. He has the most valuable contract on that team. Well, it's I also have a big, big philosophy when it comes to moving something out of your organization. If you're moving a player out of your organization, A, who in your organization is stepping into his shoes to fill that void? Or what are you bringing in that offsets the production at his value that it's going to do it? You're not going to do it. You're going to sign somebody for a higher value and may not get the same offensive output. So why so, would you move William Nylander? Let me let me ask you this question, guys. I, I'm curious to see kind of what you, you guys have to say because you guys pay close attention to your Leaf fans. <clears throat> would you trade and extend Timo Meyer for let's say seven and a half million dollars if it meant that y- y- the consequences were that you a lose Alex Kerfoot and b you don't resign Michael Bunting? Would you prefer mm. at Michael Bunting at mm. like probably four and a half or five, and then like an Alex Kerfoot type, or would you want Timo Meyer? I think I'd rather keep bunting, to be honest. I like bunting. I just, I don't know. I'm not a Kerfoot fan, but no, I, 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 I just meant like that money would be allocated to like two players, including bunting versus like Timo Meyer at like seven. Yeah, right, right. I, I'd take the bunting and Kerfoot over okay. Timo Meyer. I would go Timo Meyer. And the reason why is you have players, I just said it, within your organization that can fill the spot for Kerfoot on your bottom two lines. Or you can go get a guy like as I think it's Lafferty over in Chicago, who's a low cap hit. Or the same thing with Bobby McMahon, or all these guys are cycling through right now, Matthew Nyes, et cetera, et cetera, to put into your top six. But then you also still have Timo Meyer and the rolling with the guys that you already have. Now, had you said you can add Timo Meyer, but in a year's time after that, you're going to lose William Nylander, no. I would have said fast stayed <laughs> with the guys that you're keeping that are there now. But Bunting, I love Bunting. But his contract is probably going to be, again, just like Hyman, a little too rich for being up there with those big four. So mm-hmm. if you can get Meyer, sign him for that one year, the $10 million qualifying offer, then seven and a half, eight him. I mean, that's a premier player, and your top six looks pretty juicy. Yeah, so like I think it's it, it really depends on what Michael Bunting's contract is. And I do believe, because like everything I've heard and everything I know, is that that guy is actually not interested in the money at all. He literally oh, just wants to be wow. a leaf. And so that's I a, sit that's there. A clip right there. That's amazing if, to hear. If you if you could sign Michael Bunting to Alex Kerfoot's contract, you Kirby. just take that to the bank. Right? I'm totally fine with Michael Bunting at three and a half million dollars. To me, that is worth it in spades. But once you get into four, four and a half, five, like that is where it gets really, really dicey because you have Marner at almost 11, because you have Matthews at 11, because you have Tavares at 11. Like, you can't allocate that much to the top of your lineup. And and so for me, I think you need to have a bunch of these guys that, like, let's let's call a spade a spade here. Timo Meyer is a better hockey player than Michael Bunting is. Absolutely. Yep. So you can't overpay. Like, if you're going to overpay, it needs to be for Meyer, not for Bunting. Is my yeah. opinion. No, I'm in the same boat as that. And like I said, you do have guys within the organization who can step in and fill those top line voids or even the bottom six where Kerfoot goes. For for bunting, I'd be comfortable at three seven five as well. You know, a little bit of a raise over what Kerfoot makes. But who really knows? If he's not about the money, then hopefully the Leafs throw a long term deal at him 
just to lock him up and keep him here. But one thing that Kyle Dubas, even if he's not going to be the table setter beyond this year, has done with the Leafs cap is he's left a lot of blank check space for William Nylander and Austin Matthews coming into the next couple of years. There's not a lot of huge ticket deals outside of Morgan Riley, Callie Yarncroke, and I believe Matt Murray has one year left. But other than that, and Marner, of course, but I'm just talking about like small, frivolous kind of deals that are three and a yeah. half, five. I mean, like the Mark Giordano deal is a steal. Like that, that is a, a federal value. offense to be paying him <laughs> yeah. that much money. <laughs> Listen, hopefully Bunting sees that and says, you know what, I'll go take a million eight. Let's go. You know, honestly, like with Michael Bunting, and I think a lot of people don't realize this. Like it gets talked about sometimes. But, like, people don't realize how much money Wendell Clark and, like, Daryl Sittler and those guys make because they were Leafs for that long. Like, you are whole-ass set for life if you do stuff here. So, like, if Austin Matthews takes, like, probably, like, 13 on his next contract, maybe 14, like, he's still going to get $4 million a year in endorsements. If Michael Bunting takes three and a half million dollars and then is obviously beloved because he clearly took a pay cut the endorsement deals that you could have for a scarborough boy playing for the (laughs) toronto maple leafs who took less money are like just like just this with all of it right and because he's going to live in toronto after his career anyways like he's just going to be able to make money for decades and if you're part of a team, and I think a lot of people like just don't even realize this, like Sittler and Clark and Gilmore, like none of them won cups. If you actually have any level of playoff success here, you will literally never pay for anything in this city ever again. It's very, ever very, again. very true. Very like, true. When Sebastian Javinko goes to the coffee shops in Yorkville, do you think he pays for anything? No. no. When Josie Altador is here, do you think he pays for a single thing? Not a single thing do they pay for it. So now think about that if you're the Leafs. Yeah. Like Kyle Lowry is probably never paying for a meal in this city ever again. Oh, no. There's people lining up to get him to go wherever it is. Exactly. Imagine if you have, even if you you get to the cup final or like the third round, Marner, Matthews, Tavares, like any of those guys, like pretty much anybody on that team. Set for life. the yeah you're you're set and so i look at that and i say i mean the guaranteed income of endorsements yeah like is absolutely a thing i don't blame zach hyman for taking the money that that's turned out to be great in the first couple years am i skeptical of of the end of that contract Um, yes same with you two knee injuries um yeah bunting hasn't had those injuries so i'm far less skeptical of a contract for him Great is point. kind of what I'm saying. Yep, but I no, do think, I, I do think the Leafs, like for me, I would, um, first of all, I if you can get a star player, I don't think Matthew Nye should be off the table. Um, I don't, I have a theory. I don't think those, those items are off the table. I think it's just reverse bargaining by Kyle Dubas by saying, no, these things are not available. Making teams be like, well, no, we want Matthew Nyes. We want that first round pick. So what do we have to do to be able to get Meyer onto your team? You know, what else can we do? Right. It's just that reverse thing, like saying, well, no, no, we're not going to do it. And with Meyer, like you're going to have to send salary back too. So like, okay, you could do either Kerfoot or Engvall 
um going back and and like matthew nyes like to me that's like that's fine there are at least two players i would trade matthew nyes for so what at are least two, two at this deadline timo meyer and bo horvat um i think Bo first of all bo horvat's not going to score 60 or 55 goals ever again no. in his career no however and i could i have worked with him so i know this firsthand that is a guy where like pressure is just not a thing like he i don't know how he does it but like look at what's happening in vancouver right now and he's having the best season of his career like he just has this ability to just like block it out and for me like if you can get bo horvat and like he helps you kind of get over that hump because i absolutely like julian breeze was on the record being like look at our cap situation i can't go get an impact player so like he's getting what luke shen so if if the leaves counter the Tampa Bay Lightning getting Luke Shen by getting Bo Horvat, like you've won that situation. You absolutely have. Yeah. No, then again, they're just making it very exciting for Leaf fans on this side of things. I do think that the Maple Leafs, and we'll, we'll curtail to D for a moment, I do think they are going to make a deal for a defenseman. Um, I have my Tim Foyle hat theory that I do think Jake Muzzin plays in the playoffs. I think he does come oh. back. That is, uh, listen, you can dampen my hopes right here, but <laughs> with the team, like this, this is just the things I see from an outsider's perspective. I see him with the team. I see him working out. He's always with them. You know, my hope is that he gets the Shea Weber, Carey Price, one last hurrah. You know, you can play, but you'll be, you know, limited minutes. And then if anything even slightly goes wrong, he's immediately out. But I would love to see Muzzin get one more run because I think – after this season, it's done. Yeah, like I think he's perma LTIR. Um, I love Muzzy. Uh, I, I mean, he is the he's a playoff guy, right? But yeah. I think a guy like Scott Mayfield is a guy that I don't think you're gonna have to give up a ton of assets for. No, he's also only a million and a half on the cap, which is almost nothing, considering just- what his value is. He's right-handed, and I think this absolute nonsense of, like, no, the Leafs have Justin Hall. Um, Since when? Like, yes, he's been good this year. Yeah. Does anybody want to find out in the playoffs that maybe he can't handle that? Does anybody want to take that risk? Or do you want to have some level of fail-safe there? Like, to me, I look at Scott Mayfield, yeah, and I say, if you're six going into the playoffs are Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, Rasmus Sandin, Timothy Lilligren, Mark Giordano, and Scott Mayfield. And then you have Justin Hall, let's say if Lilligren takes a step back or like Injury. someone is gonna get hurt. Yeah. Right. Then then you have that, like you're good. But Toronto also has like 97 million defensemen. Yeah, that you really don't hear about like uh how about Victor Mete, Jordy Ben is playing tonight. You like, know, you're going to have to include some of these guys in a deal, right? And, like, yeah. okay, if you want a more longer-term situation, okay, Jake McCabe. But, yeah, but that that's one, a lot of salary. That's, <laughs> that was my argument because producer Clark, obviously, is a guy that we work a lot with, too, and he comments a lot on your videos and stuff. Love uh, Clark. Great, great guy. Obviously, love Clark. He, uh, always on this show, too, usually on Wednesday nights. Funny he's not here today. But he was talking to me today about McCabe, and that was my argument that salary is hard. And you'd have to give up more assets if you want Chicago to retain. And you had to retain for two years. So then what are you flipping in that deal 
that doesn't allow you to make another deal for a forward because obviously you're going to have to give them a little more, pay the piper. So I like the Mayfield deal a lot more. Yeah, and I got to be honest with you, if there's a deal to be made with Chicago, I just, I really think it's probably Patrick Kane. Um, I'm not advocating for it. I'm just <laughs> saying I think I that's what it is. Go, Whoop. Um, it, Pete was like, pardon? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know about that one, but hey, I think that us. that is, um, first of all, I, I have it on pretty good authority that he would waive for Toronto, um, wow. which is like wild. But then that person also was like, he wants to play with Matthews. And I was like, well, yes, that checks out. Yeah. Um, fine, fair enough. They play together in the summer. So that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, the numbers, the assets involved in trading for Patrick Kane. It's going to be a lot. Right. <laughs> yeah, you definitely would be sending uh, Matthew Nyes this time to Chicago. Matthew Nyes would be included in that deal. Make no mistake yeah, about that. Goes without saying. <laughs> yes. Um, now, do I like? Is Jonathan Taves an option? I actually think Jonathan Taves probably ends up in Winnipeg. Um, yeah, yeah, very much so. I think they need some center depth to compensate for, um, like Mark Shifley in the playoffs. Like I think. Winnipeg would be all I would be a lot more scared of Winnipeg if Shifley was on the wing he is an absolute defensive liability uh so if you have like Pierre-Luc Dubois who is also not fantastic defensively my god um and then you have Jonathan Taves and then you have Adam Lowry okay you have two legit like two-way centers at that point yeah and then you have one guy who can just say okay like now you're playing offense but now you're not asking like other guys to penalty kill right Jonathan Taves can penalty kill um do I think he'd be a fit with the Leafs? Yes. Would I prefer him over Alex Kerfoot? Absolutely. Um, Just that small little thing of the contract size. That all. contract situation is an issue. Somebody suggested to me, and this is like, you know how like you can have fantasy hockey deals? Yep. Okay. Somebody suggested this to me, and I almost fell off my chair. And they were like, this is how the salary works. And I was like, oh my God, it works. What if you traded Mitch Marner for Jonathan James and Patrick Kane at each half retained? And I was like, absolutely not. Like, I would give I would give up Mitchie for almost anything in the league. I'm he's just like, a stick with tears a drink, and he's younger than both of those guys who probably yeah. wouldn't be sticking around very long in Toronto. Now, if you said would you trade Mitch Marner for Kale McCarr, I'd be like, yes. Like well, yes. Bonafide number one defenseman that's gonna put up multiple points every single season and lead you on the back end. Yeah, we're in. We're in. Sign off. Yeah, like there's there's I would there's a few defensemen I would actually trade Mitch Marner for, but otherwise, like I don't think I would. Like I really don't. I would trade Mitch Marner for Kale McCarr and Charlie McAvoy a hundred percent. I think that guy is like McAvoy's a beast. Man, just that guy should win the Norris like way more like he really just should. Um just, I have him on my fantasy hockey team, so just I get to appreciate a little bit more just what he does on a nightly basis for the Bruins. And it's just like watching his point total climb, but watching his ice time and everything just jumps right back in casual. No problem. My, my fear though, is if the Leafs don't get out of the first round that they're, they're going to overreact. Like obviously Dubas doesn't have a contract. I think Sheldon's is up this year too. Um, I so, yeah. so I could totally. I Dubas walks no matter what the Leafs do, even if they win the Stanley cup, I think it's going to be a very trust kind of thing. I think he's going to walk. Really, I don't see that's the thing is like, I don't Kyle is never somebody that gives up, 
but I absolutely don't think the Leafs should walk away from him. What I do think the message needs to be is like, let's say they don't get out of the first round. If you look at who they have in their front office, you have Brandon Pridham, who you just like can't get rid of. The no, man helped with along with Steve Pellegrini write the salary cap. So like those two are the best capologists in the league and just thanks for coming. Um, but then you got like Daryl Metcalf, who I think the world of, he is so smart. Um, I think you need a little bit more of an old school um, GM. So if you retain Dubas, which I think they should, I think they need to bring somebody in who has an appreciation for the new school stuff, but also like gets the concept of the old school stuff. And like, I think of a guy like Mike Fuda for that. Um, yeah, that's a good name right there. Yeah. Like I, I'm a big fan of his, like, first of all, um, in my like research, the LA Kings had one of the best drafting records in the period of time that I researched. And uh, guess who was in charge of the Kings draft throughout that process? Yeah. That'd be him. Um, and so I think he kind of deserves a look. Um, Sheldon Keefe, I think is a good coach. However, like if you can get Barry Trotz, I don't even think that that's a discussion. Um, and that's the thing is, and and this is the, the issue I had with Vancouver is like, if you are firing your coach, you have to be getting somebody better than him. There yeah, but it goes back to what you said, though, about maybe people didn't want to come because of just what they're witnessing. It's like, maybe yeah, not. Well, Barry, Barry Trotz has the same agent as Boos Boudreau, so um, I think we could just draw that line there. Yeah, no, there's a whole lot of, I'm not going to do that. But here's the thing, too. We listened to what Barry Trotz said in that article. I thought, actually, he was speaking glowingly of Sheldon Keefe kind of heaping a little yeah. phrase that way, talking about the defensive structure, talking about the steps the team has made each year under its tutelage, which, you know, a lot of people don't seem to want to see. They just want to see the fact that Leafs are out in round one and that's it, nothing else matters. But there has been incremental steps that this team has taken underneath his coaching style that has really helped this team. I have a hot take. Oh, let's hear it. It's really hot. <laughs> like. Uh-oh. Get the oven mitts. Yeah, get get maybe like an astronaut suit. <laughs> Toronto is better defensively than they are offensively. Whoa. Hey, you know what? The stats do not lie. They definitely are. At least last And I think I Sheldon Keefe deserves the lion's share of that credit because if you look at when Sheldon Keefe came in, um, the Leafs played like very, very much this like possession run and gun like you're scoring all the time. Yep. Sheldon Keefe has actually shown he can adapt because now with a lot of the same pieces, this is one of the best defensive teams in the league. They and so in. for me, that speaks volumes about Sheldon Keefe as a coach. And you can say what you want about his playoff matchups and this, that I'm not really interested in hearing it because they have had trash goaltending every single year in the playoffs, except I believe last year and last year they just couldn't score. Yeah, they came and down so, to the wire and they, their bottom six was not as good as Tampa's bottom six is what it was. Exactly. And like against Montreal, like they just, it just, you got carry priced. Just call yeah. it what it was. You got carry priced. You got carry priced and you got Denode. Denode really <laughs> shut down Austin Matthews. And that's the thing is like offensively, like the defense in the defense has not been an issue in any of these series. And so I think that speaks volumes about Sheldon Keith because he showed that he can adapt. And I think maybe the pendulum has swung a little bit too much into the defensive side of things. 
But the focus for me should not be on Toronto's defensive play. My biggest fear with Toronto is that they're not going to be able to outscore what may be some softball goals in the playoffs. That's my fear. And that has been why I've been beating the drum steadily that the Leafs need to get somebody offensive-minded at trade deadline to bring into this lineup just as a little bit more of an infusion. Because then well, you can yeah. shift down Cal Yarncroke. You shift down people to where they need to be. And if you add a Timo Meyer, oh God, if you had a Timo Meyer or a Bohorvat, let's if go. You, if you, you're a lot more comfortable with Cal Yarncroke on your third line than you are on your second line. I'll just say that. Well, but like, you don't know what you're going to get out of him any given night because he's not, he hasn't been a consistent scorer throughout his career. So, yeah. And your top out. two lines are not for defense. You're supposed no. to score. <clears throat> so, like, do you think, I think it's, first of all, when you just think you're going to insert Matthew Nyes into the top six, you're basically saying, I'm going to bet on this magic bag of beans. Like, <laughs> I don't know that I would be betting on a magic bag of beans if my job is on the line. I would rather trade that bag of magic beans for something that I know performs in the playoffs. And to me, it's not about just getting a guy that can score in the regular season. I need to know that I'm getting somebody who's performed in the playoffs and they're not going to get the heebie-jeebies. So like the reason I brought up Patrick Kane, first of all, I think we can all establish he can play in the playoffs. Yeah. He can get it done. Get it done. He can also play in a massive media market with all types of scrutiny. That's yep. true. Very, very and true. Debate. And really, the only other guy that's proven he can do that is Bo Horvat. The other guy that I might throw into that conversation, just as I get it done, but he's on the other side, I think, of his career now, especially this season, broken foot and all, is Ryan O'Reilly. He yes. would be a guy that you could put into your top six that has done it in the playoffs, knows what it takes, is physical, wouldn't take a lick of crap off of anybody, and probably would put up some of those greasy gritty type goals but again who would you rather Bo Horvath or Timo Meyer or Ryan O'Reilly I think the acquisition cost for Ryan O'Reilly is less I mean it, it should be um and Ryan O'Reilly that's actually Ryan O'Reilly and Mayfield as your two gets opposed to getting take... one of Horvath or Meyer yes and I'll tell you why Ryan O'Reilly um first of all face-offs whether you like to think this or not, in certain situations in the playoffs, they do matter. Ryan O'Reilly well, is knows, also he knows that I think they matter. Yeah, <laughs> they, like matter they don't overtime. matter for okay. They don't matter to the extent that people wax poetic about them. I but think they matter. The, Leafs, the, the reason why I bring it up is because I said that the Leafs need to start David Camp in overtime, and this is before they did it. No, I said, just to get possession, <laughs> just to get possession, and they did it. And I, now I will always stick with that. They've done it a few times, James. I know, I know, and it works. It has worked. They've looked better in overtime. But, but then you also like you look at it. If you get Ryan O'Reilly, then like maybe John Tavares doesn't have to play on the penalty kill because Ryan O'Reilly is like has been a perennial selkie guy for almost a decade. So like defensively, no qualms. Whereas like I have some questions about Timo Meyer defensively. Like <laughs> I do. Um, Again, you're bringing him in for offense, though. That's what we were just saying, right? He's the guy. Exactly. But, like, do you want somebody where, and this is the thing I I do like about Ryan O'Reilly, is if he plays second line, you can play him on the wing, and then he just takes the draws. Like, whatever. Or if you want some depth, he's your third line center. And, like, that is matchup heaven at that point. 
if Ryan O'Reilly is playing against other teams, third and fourth lines, like you are, that's a problem. No, your bottom six is in the same way that like, it's gross that Boston just threw out Taylor Hall on the third line against Montreal last night. Like what? What a luxury. eh? Exactly. And so if you could have that luxury, I'm, if you could get Ryan O'Reilly and Scott Mayfield, I would do that as opposed to getting Bo Horvat or Timo Meyer. I think like, the asset cost is probably far less. Um, like not egregiously, but like think yeah. about what the Canucks are going to want for Bo Horvat. Oh, it's going to be. Yeah. And they're not letting you talk extension either. So, which is don't get me started on that situation. Cause I'm going to get myself <laughs> in trouble. Um, yeah. I think, I think Ryan O'Reilly's actually, uh, if he can come back and play off of his broken foot, I think that's the guy. And, he's proven that like he's a nasty bit of business in the playoffs and the Leafs don't need it like this other thing is like the Leafs do not need to get tougher anybody who says that please kick rocks like (laughs) kick rocks listen they and again go back to trots talking about the Leafs players getting their nose dirty and doing all of those things that everyone says they don't do funnily enough but they do and I think once Austin Matthews learns to use his size just a little bit more. Like when he sat down Shea Weber two seasons ago and he looked down at him like that that was that was me. I, I did oh, oh like almost like oh shit, I didn't know that I did that. Yeah. But you know, if he can have that feeling and that confidence, I take it as uh Matthews coming into his like Ryan Getzlav era, where Getzlav yeah, finally learned that... to use his size and fight and just be a, a grunk, basically. Yeah, like I don't want Austin Matthews fighting at all. Yeah. But I, I don't think, think there's room for it really much anymore anyway. I think also injecting another leader into that locker room, you can never have, I've learned this kind of being in the game, you you can never have too much leadership. Like Mark Giordano being there is a huge plus. Scott oh. Mayfield is another guy that's a super underrated leader. I, Ryan O'Reilly, there's not really a debate about that one. Um, but to me, the, the more you have, the better off you are. If you look at Tampa Bay, Stamkos is a leader. Hedman's a leader, but so is Braden Points. I mean, like, so is Anthony Sorelli. So is so many of their like bottom end guys. Like when Andre Palat was there, like he was a leader. Eric Chernak, like they did. They just have this plethora of of guys who can really step up in the big moments. And I think Ryan O'Reilly and Bo Horvat are two guys that one proven leadership qualities, but also like in crunch time they kind of know how to settle it down. And I mean, last year, like with the Canucks, like Bo is the guy we turned to when like another unnamed player was having temper tantrums. So like, it's, it's, it's one of those things, right. Where I think that you have like Marner and Matthews are still young. Like they haven't won anything. Nope. Right. And, and they haven't really even had any level of success. Like Bo Horvat has had more playoff success than, Matthews and Marner have albeit in the bubble but like still that's that still counts, counts. Still, and so for still me like you can never have too much of of that right that's why I think the Mark Giordano situation is a good one that's why I think Scott Mayfield like been to conference finals with the Islanders like that's very very valuable um I also would love if the Leafs acquired Luke Shen I still have my Luke Shen jersey um he has now signed that, which is kind of wild. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but it's it's one of those things where I, I think that's a super underrated thing is you need guys that, that can perform in the playoffs, whether we want to admit it or not. 
the Leafs' top guys outside of William Nylander have not been great in the playoffs. And maybe no. you just need that catalyst that can kind of say, like, okay, you know what? Like, it's okay to play this way. Like, you can do this. And so, I, yeah, I'm I'm pretty down for an O'Reilly-Mayfield kind of combo. That would be amazing. Those would be the two players, I think, that might propel this lineup to the next way. I want to wrap it up here with you with this question about the Toronto Maple Leafs. So you said that it, it would be hard-pressed to get past the first round, given what Boston's been doing and what Tampa's doing. But if they do make those acquisitions of Ryan O'Reilly and Mayfield, do you see that being able to propel the Leafs maybe past the Tampa Bay Lightning, who, by the way, held their own last year and could have closed the series out twice, just didn't end up doing it? Um, As long as an unnamed Toronto Maple Leaf decides that they're going to take maybe a bit of a run at Andre Vasilevsky, sure. <laughs> like, I, I honestly, genuinely, he's a problem. We have this theory, like, a lot of NHL teams have this theory. There are five goaltenders in the league that are true difference makers, and the rest are just voodoo nonsense. Guess who has one of those five goaltenders? In Tampa. Yeah, but Boston doesn't. Like, Linus Almar could literally implode in the playoffs. Nobody knows. But you know who's probably not going to implode in the playoffs? Andre Vasilevsky. Unless you get under his skin and get in his kitchen like we did a little bit last year where he started getting a little frustrated and started taking swings at guys. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, do you have the guys? Like, Michael Bunting is absolutely willing to do that. But, like, do you have the guys that are willing to disrupt the apple cart, let's say? And I think if they can get Ryan... come on down for one game. Yeah, if you can get Ryan O'Reilly... Um, like oh, I think he would. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he would be an issue. Um, Bo Horvat's had playoff success because he doesn't change his game. He just like continues. He is a playoff kind of guy. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, I think if they make those acquisitions, there is a better chance because I also think that Ryan O'Reilly is really going to piss off one Nikita Kucherov. And when Nikita Kucherov is angry, he doesn't play as well. Well, and he also takes a lot of dumb, selfish penalties. Exactly. Forward, I mean, like, cross jacks, sl- flashing. So we frustrated when we played uh, Tampa in New Jersey the year I was there. Somebody frustrated him, and he literally ended Sammy Votnin's career because he just elbowed him in the head like a psychopath, and like that somehow went unpunished. I've never seen Ray Shiro as mad as I that in that moment. Like that was that was that was such a dirty hit. And that was really the first time where I was like, this guy's a really dirty hockey player. I made that comment last week about Kucherov being dirty. And so many Tampa fans were like, you don't know what you're talking about. He's not dirty. He defends himself. I'm like, no, go back and watch. He's pretty damn dirty. You can be and defend yourself. Brad Marchand does it all the time. Yep. Um, That's kind of how that works. So did Rafi Torres. Like, yes, you're going to have to defend yourself. That's that's how that works. But I do think that if they can get you can't like if Toronto just like makes like fringe moves then I will say it like they're probably screwed against Tampa they they probably are All but right, if so they the new actually banner is no fringe moves go out and make a splash I think they have to this year though that they could be a serious issue for Tampa because like Nick Paul centers the third line for for Tampa are you is anyone gonna sit here and tell me that Nick Paul's better than Ryan O'Reilly like no, not. <laughs> not by a long shot. And also and, Ryan Riley will match him physically as well. Yeah. And like, does Tampa have difference makers on the back end? Yeah. They have Chernak and Hedman and Sergachev. Like those are three really good defensemen. But like after that, there is a significant drop off. 
like a big one. Whereas That's like Toronto doesn't old. have a Victor Hedman. Nope. Right? But no, Scott Mayfield no. could very easily be Eric Chernak or Mikhail Sergachev. I think Morgan Riley is a better defenseman than Mikhail Sergachev is. Um, and so for me, like I think Toronto's more well-rounded on the back end, and they also play better defensively. But the other the other issue that you have with Tampa is John Cooper is one of the best coaches in the league. Yeah, he, he just knows is. how to get things going. Right? There's a reason that like one of the only coaches to beat him over the past like few-ish seasons had Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr. Like But by the way, studied, studied the first round matchup and the clinic that Toronto did put on the Tampa Bay Lightning, Mr. Bednar did. He studied yep. every bit of that and used that for ammo against them. So obviously Toronto has a bit of a blueprint of what to do. It's just having the proper players to execute said blueprint. Like and who, Colorado did. Who was the difference maker in Colorado versus Tampa? Who was the one difference maker? Kale McCarr, it, Nathan McKinnon. You go down a little was, list. So Toronto has a comp for Nathan McKinnon, right? It's Austin Matthews. Yep, Tico. But they do not have a comp for Kale McCarr. No. They have and a very, very light version in Morgan Riley. It, uh, extremely light. Yes. Um, but it's that's one of those things. Do I? I think it's a coin flip series. I really, really do. Yep. Whereas you can, I think Toronto can really kind of put some tip on the scales if they make a legitimate acquisition at the deadline. Well, and I think if they don't, that that is a problem. It really is because you can't. In the same thing to a lesser degree with Edmonton and this situation with Jacob Chikrin. Like, I'm sorry, but Xavier Borgo is not helping Connor McDavid win a Stanley Cup this year. But you know who might? Jacob freaking Chikrin. In the same way that, like, if somebody came to me and said, the Leafs can acquire Jacob Chikrin, but it would require them giving up Timothy Lilligren and Matthew Nyes, I'd be like, yes, go. Like, what? You're you're doing that every day of the week. And Jacob Chikrin makes similar to Jake McCabe. You're gonna sit here and tell me that Jacob Chikrin is worse than Jake McCabe? Like, no, the only the only thing everybody has a little bit of hesitancy with is with Chikrin is the injuries. I have that hesitancy those. with Jake McCabe. True enough. Well, right? I've I've already jumped myself out of the Jake McCabe sweepstakes by talking yeah. about salary, so I'm, I'm good with that one. But yeah, that's an acquisition that I would look at too, because like Jacob Chikrin, I I would have him running my top PP at that point too. Um, I would be okay if that was the big splash Toronto made. I would be okay with that because Jacob Chikrin is more of a longer-term piece, whereas like the other three guys we kind of talked about are not really here. Unless you get Ryan O'Reilly to take a sweetheart deal like Mark Giordano did, stick around I and hang out. I don't think that's happening. Not that low, but I mean like kind of a But like two and a half or three that. maybe. In, the, in that range, hey, yeah, just replace him with Kerfoot. You know, there you go. Give him I don't know, Pete. Pete, what do you want? Um, I, man, I'd love to see Ryan O'Reilly on that uh, on the second line there, replacing Cali Yarncrook. That would be my favorite, my favorite move right there. All right, I think we're all kind of on the O'Reilly train. Is I've been 90, on that O'Reilly train for a long, long time. Is ninety available right now? It is, I think. Right. I don't think anybody's ninety within the organization. Yeah, and it's definitely not retired. So you're no. no I think there. Ty Voigt has it in the OHL. I think he wore it when he came up. Well, uh, Ty Voigt might get included in a Ryan O'Reilly deal. So like, yeah, yeah he might be actually, at the here. He's he's got some value around the league. I could see the Leafs using him as a, a significant trade chip. 
Yeah, no, there's a few guys that people really, I guess, don't pay attention to that the Leafs have. Because everyone also says the Leafs have no assets to move, but I firmly believe they have plenty of assets to move. I I would move Nyes before I move Topi Niemela. I'll say that. I'm very high on Topi Niemela. Yeah, it is far easier to draft a forward than it is to draft a defenseman. And I would move Matthew Nyes before I moved this year's first round pick. Interesting. Well, the deep draft. It is a first round is disgusting. Like I don't even. You are getting if the Leafs draft at like twenty five, you are getting a player that's roughly comparable to a team who drafted eight last year. Like that's how good this draft is. And that's the reason why Kyle Dubas doesn't want to give up that pick. Ah, yeah. Makes a lot of sense. But one pick that will be kind of valuable as well is Ottawa's third that we have this year, the Toronto Maple Leafs too, because obviously it'll be high in the third round. And if you got a good drafting department, I love the LA Kings or other teams that stockpile prospects. That might be something to dangle out there as well. Yeah, I I could, I could see that being a a trade ship uh, for sure. And I mean, Ottawa's going to, I would have to think move out some bodies now uh, with Josh Norris being gone. Like they're kind of, they're kind of done. I think that, like Tarasenko is going to get moved out in St. Louis. They're kind of done. Um, yeah. So the guy, like the teams that are Belize are going to try and be trading with, they're going to want that pick. So I think I agree with you. That's I would rather a a, a pick this year than like some B level prospect, honestly. Well, like you said, the draft is stacked. So we're looking forward to the trade deadline. Looking forward to everything. Hopefully, maybe we can get you back on post trade deadline. See what the Leafs actually did get your thoughts and uh, bring you back in. But I appreciate you giving us the time, Rachel. It's amazing to have you on. Yeah. Thanks for having me on guys. What is the score in the leaf game, Pete? Two one Rangers right now, but Rachel, let us know where we can find you and let us know what your podcast name is. Yeah. So you can find me uh, at Rachel Dory on Twitter. Um, Probably should have just put that in my name, but it's the same handle there. Just put an at in front of it. Um, You can find me at tick on TikTok at puck bucks. Um, the Staff and Graph podcast, the Hockey News Action Show. So it's like a betting show. Um, oh, there you go. Oh, I'm doing that. Yeah, I've now just like, instead of using my models for like proper analysis, I'm using it for betting. Fun, fun, fun. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, man, I'm, I'm not on an NHL team's payroll. I'm allowed to do that. Um, so right yeah, there. that's that's where you can find me. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of fun. I've, I'm pretty brand new to TikTok. So uh, it's you're it's a good me. follow on TikTok, Rachel. I'll say that you're going to nice. grow on that. Oh, yeah, no, you're going to explode, absolutely blow up. So get ready for it. And people are going to watch the videos and obviously get the knowledge that they want to. So, again, I really appreciate you swinging by and sitting here with us and talking about the Leafs and bringing our hopes up and then shattering them like with Muzzin. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. We're Leaf fans. We're used to all those things. You have never once had your hope shattered as a Leafs fan. It's never happened. Not you once. know what? People would say that about me because I'm Mr. Positive. After they go out in the playoffs, I'm like, Already looking to next year, excited again. It's okay. What are they going to do in the summer? Yeah, I don't really grieve for long when the season ends. I I like it because it's something to spend your time with and do. It's it's not life or death. No, not at all. But yeah, you can find me there. I'm. I usually don't reply on Twitter because I'm sure these two men have looked at my replies and can figure out why I don't reply on Twitter. People are kind of nuts. Twitter can be gross. Yeah, Twitter, Twitter yeah. is a very, very gross place. You so post TikTok, so most be, times. be on the lookout for TikTok to be a little toxic. 
Oh, I've already seen it. Like, it's kind of wild, but I'm way more likely to respond on TikTok as long as you're not a complete lunatic. Because, like, I actually kind of go through those comments. Whereas, like, Twitter, you just, just shut it out. Like, I'm not interested in any of that right now. So, that's yeah, kind of... Yeah, I find Twitter, it's, like, one personal comment. And then if you respond to it, it's, like, a pack. Their pack shows up. And then you're just slammed by their their entire group. So, it's, like, nah, it's not worth it. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, thanks for having me on. I uh, really appreciate it. And for sure, like, after trade deadline, I'm... We'll, uh, we'll break down what happened. We'll break down if our hearts are broken, if they just did fringe nibbling or not. Watch, we're going to like hang hang up this podcast like three days from now and be like, the Leafs have traded for like Ryan O'Reilly. And be like, well... <laughs> we will dance. We will definitely dance. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you very much for tuning in with us with Rachel Dory. Of course, that's Pete DeHeat. I'm James. This is Offside Hockey Talk, where the Leafs and hockey come to talk. <laughs>